It is 19 minutes before the hour here on the Drive Large Radio Show, and we're pleased to be on studio with Jimmy Lozon. He's the coach of the Londonderry Lancers football team, and he joins us every Thursday morning for sports in our own backyard. Jimmy has, for the past year, been raising a number of issues that are confronting youth and high school sports here in the Granite State. Colleges from time to time, too. He's become a favorite of parents in the audience, and you're about to hear why. This morning, he's brought to us by Paul R.R. Martineau. He's a candidate for Alderman and Manchester Ward 2. Paul, during his 15 years as the city's elected welfare commissioner, has reduced spending in his department by over half a million dollars, eliminated two positions that saved hundreds of thousands of dollars in salary and benefits over the years, and returned over two and a half million dollars of your tax money back to the city treasury. As Alderman and Ward 2, Paul Martineau, will continue to work for efficiencies in government as well as work on the opioid crisis, neighborhood safety, education, property taxes, infrastructure, and economic development. Find out how Paul accomplished what he accomplished and how he plans to continue to do it as an alderman by calling Paul Martineau at 493-1652. That's 493-1652. Or send him an email at pmartineau65 at yahoo.com. That's pmartineau65 at yahoo.com. Good morning, Coach. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. And I think uh, congratulations are in order to uh, start. You had a big test against what you called the Pound and Ground Timberlane Owls team last right. Friday, and you uh, grounded them and pounded them. Big win for you. Yeah. I like the style of uh, play that we, we played with that uh, that night at their place. That's a tough tough place to play, and then, you know they all come out for that game, everybody in their town, and... Uh, you know they're very physical. So and and we knew coming off a loss, their loss, their first game, um, that they'd come out and they'd play. They'd give us their best because you know in a lot of ways their season was kind of hanging in the balance. They couldn't take two losses in a row um, at home, and so we felt good about it. I was really proud of our guys and how we played. There you go. So now so, bigger test this week though. Bigger test this week. Who's in town? Nashville North. You so, in their house or they in yours? They're coming to ours. It's our oh. first home game of the year and uh we're having a we're having a white out for one of the players' fathers who passed away. A white out. So what is everybody, a white out. Everybody in the crowd's supposed to be wearing white. Uh, okay. They have 3000 white t-shirts that they're handing out and uh, Blizzard to hit Londonderry. Al Caprillion right. <laughs> will be on scene. <laughs> and uh so you know it'll be a you know be a big night at Londonderry, and then uh, yeah it'll be a big test. They're both two and zero. I work two and zero. They're uh, they're two and zero, and it's it's going to be tough. Yeah, for sure. There you go. And All then right. four out of the five teams in our conference are are two and zero. So there's no room for error. No room for error. Nope. There you go. So who's in your conference? Yeah, so the way Division One, and I get questions about this all the time, so we should probably go over it, even though it's going to be difficult to explain. Um, the way Division One is set up, there's 20 teams in Division One. And then they're cut up into four different conferences of five teams. Of five teams. Okay. And every year, the five teams in our conference, we're in the south. So we're with Merrimack, Timberlane, Pinkerton, and Salem. And uh, every year we play a different five Tough teams. conference. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so they do rotate the conferences? Correct. They, they, they... And so whoever you're playing this year in 2017, is pretty much it's pretty much a 10-team conference at that point. Okay. So whoever you're playing um, – becomes you know your schedule and they take four teams from your schedule but you're only allowed to take three from a conference so only three out of the four two and oh teams in our conference are going to get in they have to take one from the west which is the conference we're playing this year so 
uh, it's it's going to be difficult. I mean, Merrimack's coming off a great season. They obviously have, still have some great players. Um, Pinkerton is seems to be back on track at two and zero, and then uh, Salem is probably the team to beat um, this year. So it's no, there's really no room for error. And then of course we're playing the undefeated team from the other conference this week. So. <laughs> Well, it'll keep you guys on their toes. That's right. So, so I think I think it's good when when youth sports teams have uh, have got uh, you know uh, good teams coming in because if they don't, then it's harder for you. I think that I, I think they play up to or down to the level of the team coming in for sure. And if they play up to it, they're likely to do better than if they play down to it. I would agree with that. But right. similar situation last year. So, you know, we were coming off what we thought was a, a good performance against Gosstown, even though we had lost and. Central came in and man, they kicked our butts. I, it was unexpected. I really thought we were going to play well. We were at home. It was a big game, and uh, you know it is what it is. So I, uh, I've, I've been on the guys pretty hard this week about you know not having a, a, a letdown, not having any complacency set in for us because we're two and zero, and hopefully explaining to them and and hopefully they understand the magnitude of the game for the playoffs. Yeah. you know we haven't been in the playoffs in a couple of years, and so if we want to have a chance. This game could mean something down down the stretch, uh, especially you know Nashua North no slouch. It's a bigger That's high right. school. They have uh, a bigger team. They're a very talented group. Um, they, uh, you know, they played more at the Jamboree, and so I, I caught them live. But you can't tell sometimes. You know, the game's going so fast, and you don't know if they're playing everybody. So when you watch film and you really break it down. Uh, that didn't help either. So when I broke it down, I was like, "Oh wow, they really are that talented." So anybody can <laughs> can score when they touch the ball. There. Oh crap, they really are that good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's on your uh, what's on your agenda for this yeah, morning? Just Jimmy? a football preview. We talked a little bit about yeah. last week. Um, you know, there's some teams I'm sure in the area. People that are listening that probably want to know how their football team is going to be or what's going on with their football team if their record is not as good as they may think. So mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, the, the 20 team Division One. Uh, I'm pretty well, you know, known in that division as far as knowing what I'm talking about with you guys. Uh, you know, who's going to make the playoffs? Um, I said last year I thought Bedford was going to be the team to beat, and it sure enough, so happened to be. And then the year before was Gosstown. Um, and this year I think Salem's going to be that top team right now, and mm. someone's going to have to knock them off. Gotcha. Um, yeah. On the other side, I mean, you got Exeter, Winnicott. Um, they're both going to be very good, and then of course, you know. Bedford, we talk about them in every sport that we talk about, and they are just they're the real deal. How, how are the Grizzlies doing? The Grizzlies are doing well right now. They're 2-0. They beat Concord. They beat Dover. Um, they beat Dover by 7, which Dover's supposed to be pretty good. So they two, have a two, tough, year, two years ago, they were state champs. They were they? state champs. And then Bedford last year, Yeah, um, which isn't the norm. It's usually an Exeter or Pinkerton. Yeah. Well, there's know. been quite a rivalry that's popped up between Bedford and Goffstown. Absolutely. So a, across the sports, from what I can tell. Yeah, I think Gosstown's one of the one of the most well coached teams in the state, yeah. and they're gonna they're pretty consistent. So the Grizzlies are in the hunt. Correct. They're two and zero. They've got a tough test this week against Exeter. That'll be that'll be a good game for them. Exeter's much bigger high school, much bigger. Yeah. Not just in population, but they are a big team. They've got some yeah. big boys. They've got an offensive lineman who um, is committed to Syracuse, and he's a he's a house. And so yeah. that's. Uh, it's going to be a tough task for for Gosstown, but they have a great defense. And um, when I talked to Coach Huft, uh, you know, he taught he brags about his defense and offensively they get a, you know trying to figure it out. 
um, eggs are really tough to score on. So I, I'm, I'm anticipating a low-scoring game in that one. Low-scoring game in that one. All right, so talk to me. Now we Central touched, Memorial had a great game last Saturday. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think uh, people were surprised that either one, uh, either one of those teams ran up that many uh, ran up that many points. It was a 47 to 40. 47 and, to 40. And uh, come from behind victory for Central. Yes, which once, I got to raise my hand and say I was very surprised yeah, about once that. Once again, Memorial steals def- de- defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. Um, I would, yeah, seriously. Central has a high powered offense this year, <clears throat> and defensively, they're gonna, you know, they they seem to they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, you know, they they, they had a hard time obviously stopping Exeter. I don't think Exeter punted in that game, and then Memorial. You know, I th- I didn't think Memorial played bad at the Jamboree. It's tough to get a yeah. gauge for them. A couple of years ago, they were really good. They were like five and four, and they had some really talented players. And then they went back to back winless seasons. So. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You would assume it's going to come back up for Memorial at some point. Yeah. Um, and so they looked all right at the Jamboree, and then they played they had a tough task first week against Bedford. So you couldn't really tell either. Yeah, Bedford kind of dismantled them. Yes. Yeah. The, Bedford's probably going to dismantle most teams that they play, um, unless somebody can uh, can upset them. Just seeing them up close and in person at the at the Jamboree, watching them. Um, yeah, I thought they'd have a letdown after letting go a bunch of a, a bunch of seniors last year from the state championship team. So. It didn't seem to apparently seem not to be the case. <laughs> right now, is that is that just a function of the talent that they have, or is that coaching? I'm sure it's a mix of both. You know, a lot of it is is that is those youth programs that come up through the system yeah. that you know they they for a while had two youth programs in the town, right? The Bulldogs and the Jaguars. I mean, so you know, think about the amount of kids and you're getting players from two different teams coming up. Uh, you know, so you knew it was going to happen, and they have a ton of kids. And yeah. I worked their camp a couple of years ago, and it was full of talent. And yeah. so it was, uh, yeah, it's not surprising. But to sustain that, we'll see. I mean, that's 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 tough to do. The Exeters of the world, and the Pinkerns of the world, were able to do it for a long time. Yeah. So, so what do you, what do you see? You know, for uh, well, we get Central and Memorial front and center. What do you see for them and their and their seasons? Are they either one of them have a chance of being competitive? I, I mean, I Central we scrimmaged and. You know, I, I know a good amount about them. I would say that they have a shot. I think it's probably going to come down to them, Dover, and Goffstown for that final spot. Really? I think Winnicott, Exeter, and um, and Bedford will lock up the first three seeds, and then those three teams will fight it out for that for that last seed. All right. Now, uh, uh, near and dear to your heart are the Blue Knights and their yes. and their season opener. I don't know what happened, but they uh, Hillsborough Deering. I think they, they lost like, by four, five, thirty-five, nothing. I'm sorry, thirty-five, thirty. Sorry. <laughs> right. So that was last week. Uh first week, and last. So they last week. Last week it was against. Um, uh, was it John Stark? Pelham was it John Stark? I don't know, but they lost fifty-three to twenty, and I remember saying, "Wow, they they're put, scoring some points. They're, they're scoring some <laughs> points. I mean, they didn't score twenty points all last year. I know, I know. So they, uh, they what, seem- what are you what are you hearing about the uh, the Blue Knights? Have uh, the new new coaching staff been able to really sort of uh, put things on a better path uh, in short order? Or absolutely, that's everything I've heard. Yeah. Um, I've heard that. They seem like they've got a program back yeah. together. Um, I was talking to Principal Deschart. I, I know he's got, uh, I don't want to say limited expectations, but as long as the kids, as long as the team isn't getting blown out week after week after week, he'll consider that, you know, sort of a moral victory that they're in the hunt and they're competitive. Yeah, the stories I heard about their game nights last year were horrifying so you know you don't want yeah i know my wife used to my my wife used to work the concession stand and my daughter used to go to the games like are you kidding me yeah it was not good from what i from what i understand and uh 
you know, the coaching staff that they have in there, they have a lot of good football guys that are there now. And I knew right away, just organizational purposes alone. And then, you know, just. Oh, they lost 49 to 20 to Conval. Thanks to Conval. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Conval's pretty good. They beat Milford week one. So that, that's, you know, that's okay. Well, but Milford's a perennial uh, player. Milford's, right. And you know. Conval beat them in the first week. So I think everybody kind of took notice of Conval. Yep. And so to beat West, um, you know, but West is going to compete against some of those teams. And, you know, they're, uh, they're going to be all right. I mean, it's going to, it's going to take a, it's a process, but they've got some talent. They're like, you know, they're like the rest of the city schools and the national schools, you know, they're going to have their talent. And, um, it's just a matter of, you know, keeping those guys on the field, keeping them, you know, locked in. And, you know, I, when I coach at West is there's, there's other things that you deal with difficulties. Yeah. Um, but if they can, if you can get those kids to buy in and figure it out and, you know, really, um, try to learn a game plan we each week it's tough to go from week to week and have the discipline to be able to change and and understand the mm-hmm. differences uh but you know it's a fun place to coach because you got a lot of talent you know you really do i gotta put you on the spot here for a second because we often hear that sports are important to keep uh kids particularly maybe at risk or marginal students in school or whatnot in your experience, has it really been the case that kids who really want to play actually improve their academic inform, uh, performance so they can play? Or is it more likely that uh, maybe coaches or teachers or principals kind of look the other way and cut them some slack so they can play because they really don't have much hope for them academically or otherwise? I have not seen much uh, slack cutting from the teachers. You know, they have not been able to. I haven't seen that at all. I, if anything, I think the teachers come down harder on the on the at least my guys. I mean, I get emails all the time. If a kid didn't pass in a, a math assignment or this or that, okay. there's there's there hasn't been any looking the other way. Well, what's your experience in the city? In the city, um, it was. I think it was a team effort to try to make sure that the kids were doing what they needed to do to get on the field. Have, has it been your experience that kids will up their game academically to be? Um, on a sports team? Yeah, I think fourth quarter grades were always much better than <laughs> the other quarters because that's what counted for football. Yeah. Now, I can't say that was the case for everybody, but I would give them that speech, and I'm like, listen, this is this is the only quarter that matters. And they had a hard time understanding that. It was like, oh, but I'm going to pass the semester. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's all all accounts is the fourth quarter. And uh, and all of a sudden, you'd see some GPAs go up. Yeah. And then I try to make the point to them that, look, I mean, you can do it. You just... Right. You just need motivation. So do you think do you think maybe that instead of it just being the prior qualifying quarter, so yeah, you know, I got I got one out of four, that was great. Um maybe maybe the academic requirements should be a little uh should be what they are over a longer period of time. Like at least the the prior two quarters. I've seen, I've seen it from both sides and I know I mean the city coaches may disagree at this point, but I think if you I think if you hire the bar, the kids reach it. Yeah. You know, I just think that if you you set the expectation, the kids can try to get there. Um, I don't see there, that being a problem, uh, but you're going to lose some kids. Or, you know, some kids are not going to be able to, to maintain those grades. But my experience with those guys is if they can't do it in the school, they, they tend to a lot of times let you down on the football field. You know, it's the guys that I, I had to, to work on all the time to get through 
you know, summer school and bring them to summer school and do all this stuff. And you would think that they would take that as like an appreciation. I'm going to, you know, coach, I'm going to buy into everything you're selling. And, uh, nope, no, it was never the case. And it was like, man, I put in so much work for this kid and he's, you know, he still let me down. And then I look back and I'm like, you know what? I should have saw it coming, you know, because of if he wanted to play, he would have passed in the fourth quarter. Right. And, uh, but some kids, you know, see you you see them turn it around like their junior, senior year, and all of a sudden it's like it clicks, and thank God they had football. So it's really tough. It, it, it really is. I mean, some kids just don't understand it. Bit of a mixed bag. Yeah. All right, Coach Jimmy Lozon, as always, pleasure to have you in the house. Thank you. Folks, the uh, – the <laughs> The Rimmon Heights Neighborhood Association on the west side is hosting the Rimmon Rocks Fall Bazaar, arts, crafts, and so much more. Crafts and collectibles this Saturday from 9 to 3 at the Northwest Elementary School at 300 Uville Street. It's a neighborhood block party. Come along. We're going to take a quick break for traffic, weather, and sports. When we come back, we'll hit the news. Stay with us.